You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. There's a place here at the table. Your coats go by the door. You can kick your shoes off in that pile on the floor. I hope you wore elastic because your waistband's going to get tight. Take time. Here we are. I'm Sophie. I'm Ari. Wow. You're listening to Having a Night, a podcast dedicated to reviving the lost art of the dinner party. Sophie, what did you eat on this dark and stormy week? Oh, I just love that we're jumping right in. Last night, I made chicken thighs. And wow. as you know, chicken thighs, of course, are my favorite part of the chicken, other than the oyster of the chicken. But salt and pepper seared them in a skillet, browned them, put them in the oven at 450 for 15 minutes. And that was it. And like, it's just, that's kind of my favorite way to eat them. Of course, I love them in a stew. I love them attached to a whole chicken. I love them any which way, but there's something about just the salt and pepper with a huh? really, really crispy skin that I think it just like highlights the fattiness of them and their depth of flavor. And then I made a little like a gravy with just with the pan juices. I did the whole thing in my cast iron pan, which is also nice because then it's one pot cooking, which we're talking about today. And then I just like made a little jus with the drippings, lemon, a little bit of wine, maybe capers, parsley for just like a little tank to tank to tank to tank to add the chicken. So it was great. I guess that's really probably not very exciting for our listeners, but Hey, I'm putting it out there. What about you? I think that is exciting because it's very simple and, and very super satisfying, even though it is just chicken thighs and salt and pepper, basically. Yeah, it's so good. Also, that when, when people cook on a barbecue, that's always my favorite way to do chicken is just chicken, is just salt and pepper. So yummy because then that charred flavor really comes through instead of like, if it's been marinated for a million hours, it's very... There's so much other stuff going on. That's true. Let the birds sing. You have to, well, if you get some good, some good chicken, I've been bemoaning the lack of kind of good chicken these days. I feel like it's all Bell and Evans, which isn't bad, but it's not the best. And and I mean, when I say all, I mean, Whole Foods. Um, I think Bell and Evans though is pretty good. Actually, Murray's is very good, but Bell and Evans, like, it's a decent chicken. We actually, we got the chicken last night from the butcher counter at Italy, which is great. Cause like they so just have way, way, yeah, exactly. And you can ask for as many chicken thighs as you want. You don't have to like buy them in those weird, how did they invent that bizarre plastic packaging? I don't know. Like so always, hard. Do you, think, do you think that it's recyclable? Okay. It turns out the idea of recycling plastic is basically a a myth. Right. Right. So 
I always, of course, if I buy them, I do put it into the recycling, but I'm like, these are just getting tossed into a garbage dump. But then I think, does that mean the whole bag of recycling goes into the garbage dump or do they take it out and just take out that piece of plastic? I have been thinking about recycling facilities so much lately. And like, is there, are there human beings they're actually sorting? Is there a machine that does part of the sorting? Because I really think recycling in this country is probably not as good as we think it is. I think it's just there to make us feel virtuous that we are creating so much garbage. Yeah, 100%. It's really depressing. Yeah. But yeah. glass and paper still I love my glass. strong. I love my paper. I love my aluminum. Yeah. Sign me up for aluminum. This is, I, I will allow myself to drink a can. All right. Not a plastic, you know. Anyway, what'd you eat? Something to aspire to. Um, last night I made, I kind of made like this take on a David Tannis lamb recipe. Mm. Stewed some lamb shanks with a bunch of Persian spices and some, a lot of orange zest and lime zest. Wow. We wanted to kind of, I wanted to get this very kind of Persian sour. There are these sour grapes that they use in Persian cooking that are, are like probably very hard to find, at least where I am in Connecticut. I bet like Calistians or places in New York or other kind of markets that have a better, I don't know, variety of world spices. Would, you could find them. Anyway, I couldn't. So I had heard that if you use a lot, a lot of lime juice, you get that kind of sour tanginess. So some stock went in there, a lot of coriander. What else was in there? Some saffron. Then I kind of, I was like, I want some veg in here. Mm -hmm. There was just really onions. Cause I didn't want to like make another thing of vegetables. I really wanted a one, one pot dinner, which we will be talking about for the rest of this episode. I had some beautiful little eggplant and I didn't want to cook them in there per se. So I kind of cheated because they just fall apart. So I, I, I've lately been broiling my eggplant and it's super quick and it's just a really kind of foolproof way to do it. Are you Um, salting it before? Oh, okay. That's what I was asking. Do you have to pre-salt? You actually don't salt them at all. So you kind of brush them with olive oil you cut them um, into like, I'd say half an inch, three quarters of an inch thick, mm-hmm. brush them with olive oil on one side, put them under the broiler for like four minutes, then flip them, brush them with olive oil on the other side. And sometimes I mix a little lemon juice in there as well, and then salt them when they come out. So then after those were done and the, and the stew was done, I threw them in there and they retained their Delicious. shape. These sour grapes, they're grapes. Mm-hmm. Like you would be looking for a fruit. Yeah. They're called gore. G-H-O-O-R-E-H, Persian sour grapes. They are green and small. And more than just unripe grapes, they offer a wonderful sour flavor that is different from lemon juice or dried limes. Wow. Isn't it so inspiring to realize that we probably only are aware of like fewer than 50% of ingredients available on this planet? Yeah, it's depressing. I think it's very cool because we get to keep exploring. Yeah, I hope so. It's just hard to find a lot of these ingredients when you're stuck. Oh yeah. But I mean, generally it's like there, there, there is a world in which we get to try new things. Currently it's tough. That's true. That's the glass half full. So guys today, because it is the last week of February, this is an ode to winter. And we are going to be talking about soups, stocks, broths, stews. Stews. I love stews. 
stews. I could just talk about stews, but let's first talk about the base of a stew, which is usually a stock or a broth. Although some people use water. I never do. I never use water. If I only have water, then I'll make a quick dashi because just water isn't going to cut it if you want your stew to taste like something other than water. What are your favorite broths to use, like broths or stocks to use? I, well, if I'm building something that's more of like going to become something flavorful, I will just make a chicken stock Mm -hmm. or, uh, and sometimes I'll throw in some um, beef bones or extra chicken wings just to give it like more flavor and collagen and body and any veg I have, you know, I've been kind of unsuccessful with all of my veggie based broths. If I'm going to make a veggie broth, I'll usually just do a miso or a dashi instead of like, Ooh, a mushroomy carroty thing. And in all of my attempts at, I love rehydrating dried mushrooms and using them, but I don't like the way the water tastes after. I know people are like, then you have this flavorful broth. And and I love mushrooms, but I don't know. I don't like it. Well, I think so. Okay. First, I just want to talk briefly about the difference between a broth and a stock because I did not know until I researched it a little bit today. Mm-hmm. It's so simple. Basically, a broth is something you sip. A stock is something you cook with. So stock is usually made from bones in addition to mirepoix or whatever other seasonal elements you want. And it tends to be thicker because of all the cartilage and the collagen. Whereas Mm -hmm. a broth is actually any liquid that meat has been cooked in, though obviously like many broths have other components to them. But then I was like, oh, so bone broth is not a thing. Right. It's a bone stock. Yeah. Okay. On the veggie broth thing, I've been experimenting with this a lot because I now have an instant pot. So like stock has become my new favorite thing to make. And with mushrooms, don't rehydrate them before you put them in, just Hmm. cook them in it because then it's like, you're not wasting the water that they're steeping in, but you're also still releasing all of the flavors into this stock. So I've been experimenting a lot with my veggie stocks with doing actually kind of like scrap stocks Yes. which Fanny Singer had posted something about and I, you know, commented and was like, how, what are you doing? Like, how do you make that? So it's like onion skins, like the bottoms and tops of your carrots, the bottoms of your celery, mm-hmm. fennel fronds, parsley, like parsley stems, kind of anything you've got hanging around. Mm-hmm. And that's actually been really fun because first of all, obviously I'm like trying to, I'm always trying to minimize waste and like, we all want to use as much as we can in the kitchen but I always have this feeling of like, oh, it's going to come out tasting dirty. Right. Like, well, it'll taste too earthy. Exactly. And it really doesn't because if you're using it to mix with so many other things, yeah, like you're, it, you're not using it as a broth, right? You are using it as a stock. So it's like the flavor, I've, I've done that. And then like, I'll add a couple of uh, dried shiitakes and it's mm-hmm. really, really tasty. Oh, cool. Maybe I'll experiment with that this week too. Yeah. I mean, it's also, then it's like, if you make it and you don't like it, all that happened was you used some onion skins and like the bottoms and tops of right. vegetables. So it doesn't matter. You know, it's not like I bought a whole chicken and right. now it tastes like shit. So that's been enjoyable. I actually have a, a stew on as we speak. I'm making yet another bean stew. What kind? So I've started, well, this is a question that I have for you. I will answer my part of it now, which is, <laughs> I feel like I've been experimenting a lot with my stews, like not using a recipe so much. Mm-hmm. This one I did, I had some celery. So I did celery, onion, garlic, sort of like, I guess what, two thirds of the, of a sofrito. 
Nope. Mm. It turns out that has pepper in it. I'm wrong. Then I added some cumin chipotle and then I did beans, bean water that I had cooked other beans in. So like a black water Mm -hmm. and then a vegetable stock that I had made yesterday and just did that in the pressure cooker. So the beans were dried. The beans were totally dried. Exactly. And I just cooked it as a soup in the pressure cooker. For how long? uh, An hour and 10 minutes. Under pressure. Under pressure. Yeah. So it's like on the instant pot, it's the setting that it's the bean setting. No. Or did I do the soup setting? Whatever. I never use one of those settings. I always just do the like pressure for a certain amount of time. Oh, the settings are the best. Shit. Yeah. Get in with those settings. And then I opened it and it was like a little more watery than I was hoping for. So I used the saute function to boil it down. Yes. I love the saute function, although it's very hot. It's very hot. I actually I did it on low, but I love how hot it is. Yeah. Um, and then I want to add like some. I have some salsas from this company called Macienda that makes masa and like tortilla presses and stuff. So I have mm-hmm. like a salsa that's dried chilies and peanuts. So I'll like add a little bit of that with a little nice. bit of rice and delicious. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, what yeah. kind of stews have you been making and have you been experimenting? Yeah, I feel like stews, they are, they're so forgiving. I never, I barely use a recipe unless it's like some flavor profiles, profiles that I'm like totally unfamiliar with. Yeah. But I'll often like gravitate towards things that are fresh, citrusy, but also like creamy. So I'll like, like almost like a curry. So I'll like, I love to experiment with adding coconut milk to things that aren't necessarily going like Thai or, or Southeast Asian. Mm -hmm. So I'll do like something with, I'll even use like crushed tomatoes and, you know, I'll cook some shallots and garlic and, um, red pepper flakes. I don't know, maybe some diced red pepper, whatever, put in some crushed tomatoes. Then I'll put in some coconut. I like doing that with shrimp sometimes or fish. I was about to say fish. That sounds so good. Yeah. Um, but I also love when I'm making a broth and then it becomes a stew. I'll, I'll, I'll add in like a knob of ginger and mm. um, maybe like some lemongrass or if I have um, some star anise to it, just to give it like a bit of complexity and like the illusion of health. Yeah. Well, also I think it's, it's. so I was looking up like what this traditional soup bases are and it's nice. I think it actually is really fun to mix them up, right? So like a mirepoix is celery, carrot, onion, in mm-hmm. Germany, they use leek, celery root, and carrot, which I was really surprised about the celery root. Obviously, sofrito is onion, garlic, tomatoes, uh, green peppers in Latin America. The holy trinity in like Cajun food is onion, celery, green bell pepper. Mm-hmm. So I, th- but I think it's, but then like in Italy, batuto, which also I'm loving these names, celery, yeah. onion, carrot, parsley, and often, you know, you'll add like a pancetta. Yeah. Like a fatty element. Right. So I, I think that. And then of course it's like that's not even touching on other cultures, right? Like on non-Western European right. cultures of like, right, what is the Chinese traditional base? I think is ginger garlic, sometimes a scallion, mm-hmm. some hot pepper, some Sichuan pepper, obviously depending on the region. So there's room to mix and match nowadays. Oh hell yeah. It's such a beautiful palette to oh, get yum. creative with. Um, I feel like you cook a lot of lamb stews. I don't. I, I just feel like I get, ex- I talk about them whenever I do. I mean, why wouldn't it's you? Exciting. Yeah. 
you'll, you'll talk about them. And I'm always like, fuck, why didn't I think to do that? Cause it's, I mean, I will go lamb over beef 95% of the time. Right. Like, so I would rather, I would way rather have a lamb stew than a beef bourguignon. Same. Also, cause like lamb hat, A has more character. B doesn't lose. Well, I don't know. I mean, I've had some really dry chunks of lamb in my day, but yeah. Do you like a beef bourguignon? Like if you go over to someone's house and that is being cooked, are you super pumped? Um, no, but when it's good, uh, it's good, but I never, I don't know. It's not, not something I crave. If I want like a beef stew, I'll usually, I want more of like something more Italian than French, mm. or I want more like an ossobuco or like a braised short rib, something that's like more tomatoey. It's just so heavy, a beef bourguignon. It's like, really, there's a time and place. And if I want a French stew, I usually want like a coca vin. Yes. Beef bourguignon, I feel like, is a classic, can be a one-pot meal. And also you can feed 200 people with a beef bourguignon pretty easily. I mean, 200 is a slight exaggeration. But I the beef is always too dry. I feel like if you used a short rib, I'm sure it would mm-hmm. be fine because those are so fatty, but no one ever seems to. Right. But I'm so with you. Like, and also buco. I mean, now there's a flavor. Ugh, right. gremolata. <laughs> I know we should talk about all the things that you can top a stew with. Please let's get in there. Yeah. Well, gremolata, obviously your herbs, people don't forget. I know it's like this last step and you don't want to chop herbs, but even if you just pluck off some, anything you've got and put it on top, a squirt of lemon. um, If you've got like some toasted nuts or seeds, Mm. even if you have like some leftover, like chimichurri, like Oh yeah. If if your stew feels like, oh, this is lacking, you need you probably need a topping. And you need to if you can help change the texture too. So this isn't only about flavor, like that final layer. It's about texture. For me, it's also can be about temperature. Mm. I'm a big advocate for like, especially with soups, adding in some like creme fraiche or sour cream. Yes, just totally. like having a little dollop of full fat yogurt and maybe like some pumpkin seeds. I had some really kind of bland butternut squash soup the other day, and I just put on some creme fraiche. Um, so I had some toasted pine nuts and uh, like uh, a little bit of pesto that was in the fridge, and mm-hmm. it transformed. Yeah, I mean, and what's fun about that is like with a with a flavor profile that's as delicious but simple as butternut squash, you can kind of go in any direction, right? You could do like a drizzle of soy sauce with like a drop of toasted sesame oil. Or you could mm-hmm. do like a little bit of smoked paprika mm-hmm. or you're so right. Of course, any kind of herb cilantro is like my number one thing to always have on hand for me, cilantro more than parsley. Mm-hmm. Cause it just adds. And I know obviously there are people listening to this who are like, cilantro is the devil, but I just <laughs> think it's so bright and so good with every flavor. Lime, of course you said lemon, but you yeah, do really- koshu. Oh yeah. Yuzu kosher. So good. I also think it's like, think about if somebody brought you a bowl of chili at a restaurant and there were no toppings on it, you would be upset. So mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, cause you would want the sour cream. You want some chopped onions, some scallions, some tr- grated cheese, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So like, do the same for your soups and stews at home. I'm this bean, bean thing that I'm making. I think I'm going to add some yogurt when I serve it. I have right. some parsley. Maybe I'll chop that. But yeah, now you've got me thinking. Yeah, just give people options. Don't be afraid of condiments and don't be afraid to let your guests customize. It's all about the customization. Oh, 
God, I love to customize. Somebody serve me a baked potato. <laughs> oh my God. I was thinking about throwing a baked potato party and by party, I mean with me and, and myself, but that would be a fun, right? Just like an assembly, baked potato buffet. We so I know. Fun. It's another perfect assembly line. Also baked potatoes stay hot forever. What do you like now? Do you like to serve your stew with a side? Like what, sorry, with rice or something yeah, like let's that? Let's talk about sides. You know, there's a time and place for some good old crusty bread. Ooh, there's a time and sure. place for like some good crusty baguette. Mm-hmm. I There's rice. There have been um, a, a lot of uh, people who I am now living with are big uh, fans of the uh, egg noodle, which I oh, never grew up oh, eating. Whoa, that is, yeah. no, 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 no. That's <laughs> one thing I'm not going to touch. Yeah. Um, potatoes. Potato. Oh, yeah, potatoes. But if potatoes. you- but I just, I always get too lazy and I'm like, I'm just, if I'm cooking potatoes, I'm going to cook the, the potatoes in the stew. So I am, I'm, I would say I'm kind of like a two carb for a stew kind mm-hmm. of a gal. Like I definitely want to have rice or I don't, not definitely, but like if I have rice, I'll often sometimes have a piece of bread. Cause like, depending on the kind of stew, you might want a good piece of buttered bread, or like, let's say that you made a pesto or something that's in the stew. You could slather it with a little bit of pesto. Right. Or like a saffron aioli if you have uh, some kind of bouillabaisse. Exactly. And if you're doing bouillabaisse, like you might have potatoes in there and you also got to have your crusty bread with your aioli. So I think like a stew is really, it's also, they're made for winter. So like, it's the perfect time and place to have a double carb. Yeah, How do you feel about like alternative grains as a side with a stew? I love a cauliflower mash because I just enjoy it. So like, sure, if somebody offered me that, I will be excited about it. Quinoa, not for me. I'm not a quinoa person. I love a couscous. I really like fonio. Like, I think that could be really delicious. What are some other... Ooh, I did like a farro the other day. That was really yummy. With what? Um, I did... Well, I made a farro and bean stew but I right. cooked the farro separately Oh, okay. because I was doing it in the instant pot. There was like a whole thing. There Tell was a whole thing. Do you cook hmm? it like pasta or do you cook it like with enough water? So it all evaporates. I have done both this time. I did it with enough water so that it was like pasta. I don't like cooking it that much that, that way as much as the other way. Cause the other way it feels very satisfying. It feels like rice, you know, where then right. like you fluff it and you're like, Hey, ta-da. Like yeah. when it is two things, now it's only one. Yeah. <laughs> But like tonight I'm going to make some rice. I made these flavor cubes that Sophia Samuda talked about in her episode that we did. So it's basically like you do a bunch of fresh herbs. You can do garlic. You can do scallions if you want, whatever kinds of spices, and then put them in the freezer. You mix it with olive oil and then basically put them into your ice cube trays. So I have some of those. So I was going to make a rice with one of those flavor cubes. Delicious. So to serve with this. What are I some other good people, alternative grains though? Oh, I think that you pretty much covered it. I'm, I mean, I guess there's like a brown rice. I'm never a brown rice person. I um, can't get into it. Yeah. I'm just like, the world is so large and life is so short. Why would you have brown rice when you could have white rice? I don't know. People love it. Are you always using your Instant Pot to make a stew or are you a like let it bubble on the stove person? I'm like barely using the Instant Pot. Just because I would rather, I like to use it when I'm in a time crunch, but if mm. I'm not, um, which, you know, as we work, continue to work from home, 
I usually have the time to start it in the late afternoon or even early afternoon so that it can kind of be pleasantly bubbling away. Cause I like the way it smells and I like just having it there. Mm. It just makes me feel like a real homemaker. Yeah. I also think if you have a nice pot that you love using, it's such an excellent excuse to pull out that pot. The Instant Pot for me has been a game changer just because I really never cooked dried beans before. Right. Like it felt like a big hassle to me. So, and since I've been trying to eat less meat, it's been great to be like, oh my God, we can have beans so much more often. And in the Mm -hmm. winter, it's like, you know, we're in stew, the stew zone. I've got um, to the stew zone. You're such a bean queen. Well, I'm becoming one. I'm really not though. So I wanted to talk about this Samin Nostrat article where she basically disses the Instant Pot. Crazy. Um, but her reason for dissing it is basically like she clearly has a real ritual with cooking her beans. Mm-hmm. And she felt like the Instant Pot took away from that. Whereas yes. like I have zero ritual and like also don't really understand how they work yet. So for me, it's been like such a godsend, but I did start reading it. I was like, oh no, I just yeah. got my Instant Pot and she hates it. I know. It's like, God <laughs> forbid you disagree with Samin on anything. Although, you know what? You must be right. But I think that's true. It's like, I don't look, I, I don't have the time or like the patience to like soak beans overnight. It's just, that's never been my jam. So I should get into it with the with the Instant Pot because I do think it tastes totally different. And it's so much better when you, when they start from dry. Yeah. And it's also cool to be able to like buy exciting, like the beans that I'm cooking right now are these tepary beans from a Native American farmer. I know people love Rancho Gordo. Like it's mm-hmm. just a cool way of trying different strains of beans. Yes. That, you know, not just like chickpeas in a can, man. Yeah. Enough with chickpeas. What's your favorite bean? I think we've already asked each other this, but just remind me. I got to go. I think I'll probably go cannellini. What about you? Probably same. I mean, how it's, they're just so creamy. They're so creamy. And I love a, I love a bean mash in addition to a bean stew Mm -hmm. or bean, you know, a bean dip. Yeah. I made, um, what was it? It was some kind of like a white bean chili for a client last week with a bunch of greens. And I had taken, I had a few cans of beans and some of them I dumped right in. And then one after obviously rinsing, um, I took some of the stock and then blended it with that can of beans Mm. in the, like in a blender, not just with the immersion blender. Sometimes I think that it doesn't get the same creaminess as a real, real blender. I think you're right. But yep. But then it's, I mean, it's as if you've added some milk or heavy cream. Oh, yeah. It's the best. Delicious. Well, because that starch, like, really thickens things up. Oh, it's so yummy. I also, though, love, like, red beans and rice. Well, let's go through, for everyone, maybe we have some listeners who have not been making stew. Like, what are the step-by-step method for making a stew that anyone can follow with any ingredients? Oh my gosh. What a great question. Okay. Do you want to start? Sure. Step one, if you're using meat of some kind, I would brown the meat. So you have some like olive oil or ghee or coconut oil or whatever neutral oil you brown your lamb shakes or your beef or your chicken thighs or whatever. Um, and then take it out. But don't put it, some people, I like to keep all of the juices. Of course. Uh, so I'm putting it on a plate that's rimmed or a little um, 
sheet pan or like yes, baking sheet. You're not lining either of those with mm-hmm. a paper towel to sop up juices. This is no. not bacon. This is meat that you want to keep the fat and the juices from. Right. And you're not frying in like an inch of oil. You, right. you all you need is just like just make sure the bottom is covered. And then what's so fabulous is that with whatever fat is left in that pan, you're not throwing that out either. You're just throwing in whatever your base is. So whether that's, you know, scallions, ginger, and garlic, or maybe not scallions because you wouldn't put those in at the top, whether that's ginger and garlic or although you could, I actually started a, a dish today with scallions. You did, yeah. Whatever your aromatics are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, right. Or your celery, carrot, onion, whatever you're throwing those in. Then you can also put in some dried spices, right? So mm-hmm. like if you're using a little bit of cinnamon, if you're using cumin, if you're using, help me out here, what, paprika, paprika, maybe yeah. finishing thing. I'm not so sure. No, you can add it in the beginning. Cayenne. Mm-hmm. Did you say Cori? I love coriander. Same. You could use, I mean, any of people are making incredible spice blends these days. But make them yourself. It's so easy and so fun. Yeah. Garam masala. If you're doing something, if you're making a an Indian dish that calls for garam masala, add that at the top. Cause there's a whole thing where the spices then bloom. Right. right? So like they become, I mean, when I was doing it with my chipotle powder and cumin, it's like the the scent really takes it over. Okay, what's That's next? True. And I would encourage people to go heavier handed than they think. Like spices do expire and they just get milder and milder in flavor the more they sit. And people are like just doing a dash here and there. Like really just go for it. Go for it within reason. If it's cayenne, don't go for it because you will regret it and no one will eat your dish. Yeah. Ooh, red Um, pepper flakes. Another favorite. Always, always going in there. So then you've got those going. Are you someone who like does the onions first before adding the rest of the mirepoix? It depends on my level of laziness. I'll often chop everything and then it's all chopped on the same chopping board and I'll just like toss it in. So today I did uh, garlic, onion, and celery and just put it all in. And like then I just did it until they were translucent and it had enough oil that like nothing was browning at a super rapid rate. What about you? I don't know. I get so OCD when I'm cooking. I always like, for some reason, to sweat the onions out first by themselves. But then whenever I've been in a pinch, I just do them all together. And I'm like, oh, this makes no difference. I do not yeah. need to sweat the onion first. So there you go. I wouldn't sweat the garlic as long as everything else though. I would mm. definitely like grate the garlic in and, or if you're just putting smashed cloves in, then you can put it earlier, but garlic can burn. So be careful. Yes. I, I think what's fun about making a stew or it's, or like a thicker soup is that it can be very forgiving in the sense of like, if a couple of your pieces of garlic start to brown, they're not going to screw up the whole thing and make it acrid because like, it's such a massive thing that has so many things in it. Mm -hmm. It's not like trying, like you're trying to make a tomato sauce or not even, I don't know, like a sauce or something where like the browned garlic is really going to affect the flavor. Right. But yes, generally keep it all translucent and not brown. Yeah. But if it does brown a little, don't freak out. Then what? Oh, I would also say the good time to add like your tomato paste if you're if you're going for something tomatoey because yeah. that also needs to kind of caramelize and cook. I did my tomato paste today. So good. Mm-hmm. One of the unsung heroes of the kitchen. I was thinking about that today too. I like to carry like uh, around a little can of it when I'm going to cook at someone's house because it really can save the day for a lot of different dishes and add yeah. that kind of extra punch of flavor if, if you're lacking somewhere. Totally. Then are we adding our broth and our big things like our 
beans, if we're making a bean stew, our meat, if we're making a meat stew, what do you think? Well, I would say there's an optional step now, which is deglaze if you did have some browning. And I was thinking about some wine. Yeah, because you probably, if you've started with some fatty meat, you might have some like delicious little browned morsels at the bottom. So some wine, or if you're, you don't drink wine, you could just use some kind of acid or vinegar. I mean, truly like you can use any kind of liquid, you know, if you just put in a splash of water, just scrape the bottom. But then I would, I am so, again, my OCD as a chef, as a cook, uh, I like to add in the meat or beans or whatever back in and kind of fold it in with the ingredients and the aromatics before I add in the liquid. So I do that and kind of let that all kind of re- meat again, and then I'll add in my liquid. Totally. Because I mean, if you think about it, I I don't, I don't, as I said, I don't understand how beans work, Mm -hmm. but like if I was making a rice dish, right. It's like, you can saute those green, those, those kernels in grains is what I'm trying to say. And you see them starting to get translucent and they get covered with the other ingredients. I'm like, that's part of the joy. So I think doing that with your meat or with your beans, it just allows everything to become friends. Exactly. And then whether you've got a stock or a broth or a dashi Mm -hmm. or some crushed tomatoes or coconut milk, add that in, let it come to a boil, then bring it down to a simmer and then Mm -hmm. covered, uncovered, whatever you feel like, kind of depending on how much you want it to reduce. You can either let it chill out on the stove or put it in like a 300 or 350 degree oven. I'd say if you're adding more veg in, just like play it by ear. You know, you don't need to put spinach in right away. You you basically could put that in once it's off the heat. Like how long do things take? You know, a potato is not going to take as long as everything else. And also, you know, cooking a lamb shake is going to take way longer than, you know, making some chickens do. Yes. Good point. And when it comes to the greens, that's a good point. So like I made bean stew the other day. God, Jesus Christ. Somebody get me out of these bean stews, if you know what I mean. And I chopped up a bunch of mustard greens mm-hmm. and then put the stew on top of the mustard greens and they immediately wilted. And then you could mix them in with the stew. So like yes. greens that are kale, you're going to want to put in earlier because like, you don't want that just to wilt. You want that to like cook because yeah, otherwise it's going to be crunchy. Yeah. So something like a kale, a collard green, you're going to want to put hard. in yeah. Swiss tree yeah. up. Um, but then something like a spinach, if you put it in too early, it's going to get kind of slimy Yeah, no. with your stew. Ooh, man, a mushroom. God, I love a mushroom stew. A well-done mm-hmm. mushroom stew mm-hmm. is what a delight. Yeah, I think that's perfect. And then I, I think really don't be afraid to cook it down until it is your desired texture. Like I'm always so discouraged. I, I'll look at the, a recipe or something and it's like cook down for 45 minutes. I look at it and I'm like, I don't want to eat it like this. I want it to Dang. be like, you know, really chunky. I don't want it to be a soup. So leave it on there. Leave it on. I always leave it on for so much longer. We should, we should do an episode one day where we talk about how the times on recipes are, it's a lie. Total lie. Like really, you know, simmer for 45. I'm simmering it for two hours, basically double everything. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, what, can we talk a little bit about the stew? Because did you make it? The famous Allison Roman stew that is? I have made it. And I feel like I have to doctor the shit out of it. I made it twice. It's made me so nauseous. Really? Times. Like there's something about like the chickpea combined with the so much coconut milk. And mm-hmm. like, I don't know, it, it's quite. And then if you're also adding yogurt, it's like too much of the same. Oh, right, I, I'm right, personally right. not a fan. Yeah. It's not my favorite. 
Um, but if people went nuts for it, probably because it had turmeric in it or because of the color. Yeah. Also because like everything she does goes viral, but yeah. I know. I made this other stew of hers the other night. Um, that's like a, you, you start with ground pork and then it's Ooh. add in like soy and mirin and ginger and garlic. And then she said water, but I used uh, stock. And then there, I think there were some mustard greens maybe. Anyway, I just thought it was so bland. I also think the ground pork was not very good. Yeah. Um, but I just. Weird. I Dude, I, I mean, this is not going to be an Allison Roman dish, dissing fest, but like I made cookies of hers that I had to send people photos of because they turned into like, they were supposed to be like little beautiful rounded cookies and <laughs> turned into like a spider's web all over my fucking baking tray. Wow. Very weird. I don't, I don't know. Look, it's hard to be in the spotlight. There's a lot of backlash and it's hard to write recipes. Yeah. But if you guys have not seen the sketch, literally dinner, it's called literally dinner by Chloe Feynman. It is so funny. And it really, I think is just a reflection of like how millennials like love fucking yogurt and like beans is what it's all about. And yeah, like, like, it's just oil. very funny. Yes. yes. It's oil. Right. It's a very, yeah. very funny. And I think just good to take the piss a little bit out of this particular movement that I'm hoping right. is coming to a close. Right. Just like this weird trend of like celeb chefs, but like, not, not like, uh, Julia child, like, uh, no, like I'm like a super untrained, like really right, casual exactly. home cook. Like Instagram like, famous. Like, right. Then why the chefs. fuck am I listening to you? Right. <laughs> right, um, right, right. Right, right, So what are you cooking your stews in? Obviously you are at your boyfriend's parents' house, but like, what are you cooking them in there? What do you cook them in at home? Well, we both have uh, at Chris's parents and at my apartment, my old, well, I'm in storage, mm-hmm. <laughs> my life in storage. Uh, I have my collection of Le Creuset, like different sized Dutch ovens, which I've yep. been acquiring or collecting for like, I don't know, long time now. I think mm-hmm. my got, my dad got me my first one, I think like as a college graduation gift. So long time ago, I have, I think three different sizes. However, we were cooking at a, Chris's brother's apartment because he's not home. Mm-hmm. We were there last week and they have a stove. Is that how you pronounce it? I'm yeah, sure Staub, which actually Staub. in German, Staub means dust, which is very funny. Um, they're so they, cute. They're so cute. And they, I'm debating getting one, even though I don't technically need one because they have one that is taller. Oh, so you get like uh, less of a splash back if you're, when you're kind of frying and it's something about it feels super satisfying. It's also, um, black cast iron in the inside that feels more, um, nonstick than a Dutch oven. It looks nonstick. And the top fits in better. It's not just on top. It's like there, so less steam escapes. Yeah. I mean, my Le Creuset, my dad also gave me one a very long time ago. I think like my first apartment, the first apartment that I lived in by myself, he gave me one and it's very beautiful and I love it, but it is, it's like the steam comes out. I mean, the brown, the, the bottom has been browned since the first time I cooked in it, but I kind of think that's part of the joy. Cause like, I don't know if you really want to cook a stew in a nonstick situation because part of it, like you're saying about the browning on the bottom that won't really happen. You know, you can't really deglaze a nonstick. 
Right. And I mean, I don't think it's nonstick in like a Teflon way. I think it's just like heavy duty black cast iron. Mm. That's, I don't know, been like super well seasoned. Is it very heavy? Yeah. But it's also, I was, cause I was reading about this like, mm-hmm. as I debated buying one for myself, like, what's the difference? Why would you need this one as opposed to the other one? But steam, I think it's very intentional. Like with a heritage brand, like Le Creuset, it's, it's not, it's, so you want some steam to escape from mm. most recipes, I think. Interesting. You right. You don't want it all just in there. So. Oh yeah. I mean, I usually, of- if I'm bubbling something down, my lid is off. Right. Buy one. You deserve it. This has been a really hard year. <laughs> well, I'm not going to buy one now because I, it'll just go right into storage. But Absolutely. maybe one day I will. <laughs> and they have beautiful colors. Yes, Obviously, so I was beautiful. just Googling. Um, but you were talking about your chicken thighs and your cast iron. Like, let's talk about other vessels that are good for the one pot. I mean, the whole idea behind this is we're sick of doing dishes. We've all been stuck at home for right. a year. You know, what are these pots and pans that we can do that can do everything? So the cast iron, of course, is an obvious one because you can cook, like you could cook your chicken in it. Then in the fat, you could cook your vegetables. And then with whatever is left over, you could make a sauce. Wow. We, we, wah. you know what I've never gotten good at, but that like every time I see a recipe for it on the New York times, I put it into my recipe box mm-hmm. is like one sheet cooking. Yes. Cannot for the life of me figure it out. What's going on here? Let's play doctor. What's so, going on? What are on the one hand, I'm like, oh, like I can't figure it out. But it's like, I've made plenty of one sheet. It's like, I've I've roasted vegetables on one sheet many a time. But like that also requires like a rice or like a dish of some kind that the vegetables are going to go with or a sauce that I've obviously used a million other pans for. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the, the baking your feta thing, not my favorite. I don't feel like feta cooks well. Like it cooks well if it's like in a spanakopita, but just like a piece of cooked feta is like a little weird to me. So like I've tried to do like, oh, just some big, you know, the big blocks of feta with like asparagus and some onion slices and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And it's just not very good. So I think my complaint but is just that it's not good. Like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what about like, have you ever done any of, Melissa Clark has so many like that are with chicken. And chicken yeah. and vegetables in one sheet pan. I do one that's like salmon and broccoli or whatever veg. I think the challenge is, yes, it's all in one sheet pan ultimately, but they have to go in at different times often. Okay. So it's like no, you start go. with the veg and then the veg is done and then you kind of like move or it's almost done. And then you move it to the sides and you put the protein in the middle. You just have to kind of work that out for yourself. And then in right. the process of doing that, when you're kind of readying the other ingredients, you're using like plates or pans. So you do have extra dishes at the end. It's not like a true one pot meal. Because I think that's, I think if I were cooking everything really, really low and slow, it would probably be fine. Because like if you're cooking your chicken at 300 degrees and your onions can sit there and they can caramelize and kind of Mm -hmm. fall apart and your eggplant, same thing. But like if you're cooking your chicken at 425, your fucking asparagus is going to turn to a crisp within a minute and a half. So I think that's always, it's like the timing of it. I haven't quite understood yet. Yeah. I'd like to try one of those sheet pen dinners again. I I don't do them very often either, but they do seem like when you're not in the mood for something stewy, which I clearly we are now, but maybe, you know, check back in in a month or two when maybe things get warmer. Well, I think more than a sheet pan, I'm actually into like a baking dish cooking. With like, yeah. you know, a bunch of tomatoes and a piece of fish or 
a bunch mm-hmm. of tomatoes and a piece of chicken, you know, something that can get nice and juicy. And then you can like make a little sauce with the juices that are on the bottom. Sheet pan feels very dry. It feels very yes. arid. I think I'm, and when I say sheet pan though, I mean, I mean, technically a sheet pan, a rimmed, a rimmed baking sheet is what yeah. I like because I, if there are any juices, I like them to be, I don't know, contained, even though most of them evaporate anyway. But also I find with cookie sheets, it all just like slides around and I lose oh. some. I'm really not a, I'm oh, not a, fan a cookie that. sheet is a disaster. In fact, I have one and I was looking at it today and I was like, what am Why I do doing I with this thing? Like Why? I never, I can't figure out what I would possibly put on it. Cookies just you know, slide right off. Everything slides off. Yeah. It's for real no. bakers maybe. Well, I feel like, I think we did great. Here, I have one last question. Mm-hmm. I would like you please to tell me your top five favorite stews or soups. That's so hard. It's so hard. How about we do it together? Okay. Red beans and rice, really up there for me. How about uh, mocheca? Like a Brazilian kind of tomato coconut. I always, I, this is something I always talk about on the show. Sometimes there's shrimp in there, fish in there, but yeah. Um, how about a pho? Ooh, I love a pho. Ooh, hello. How about, I got to say like a lamb stew. Okay. Then I'm going to bring us home with a bouillabaisse. Delicious. I feel like we hit a lot of corners of the world. (laughs) I feel like we won this. Yeah. Of our own making. Well, guys, go forth and stew. I'm about to go check on mine. Yeah. Sounds so good. Don't forget about that tomato paste. Ooh, I won't. In fact, I'm going to go do that right now and put my rice on. This is all for tomorrow, by the way. This isn't even for tonight. What are you having tonight? Well, we're doing our fast. Oh. So guys, in case you didn't know, Harry and I fast on Mondays and Thursdays. We do the famous five and two. You haven't done one that yet. Now you'll have to, t- you might have to I'll, do an episode about it. Very happy to totally get into it. But that also means like Monday is such a good day to cook a stew and like, you know, throw a bunch of stuff in the pot and get excited about, about what tomorrow holds. <gasps> Stew it up, guys. We want to know what you're making. And please, stews are great recipe ideas to share and recipes to share because you don't have to write everything down. You're just like, yeah, I made a stew with these things. Then someone else can make it. It's you get. We all get stuck in our own stew brains. So Big time. Spread the love. Yeah. Stew brains. Yeah. Guys, share your favorite recipes with us and we will post them. We will. How's that? How's that? Okay. We love you guys. Thank you, Colin. We hope you're feeling fabulous and we will see you all next week for such an exciting episode. It's Dory Greenspan. So please check in next week. Wow. Celebrate. Okay. Bye guys. 